we get this picture of, of, of seeking, you know, searching out, exploring, you know, this idea of expending effort and time and energy in order to discover what it is that you're looking for. And in this case, it's God, you know, according to, to these scriptures. And so I think that you and I have to understand the times that we're living in, and we, we need to be people who search for wisdom. Wisdom is crying out in the street, and yet at the same time, we are called to search for it. That wisdom is crying out, meaning it's available, that you can have it, but you're, gonna, but you're only gonna find it if you search for it. It will not be automatic. Like it, it's there, you can see it. it it's, it's available to you, but it is also at the same time something that you have to search for. And when we think about the words that we just read here in Proverbs 2, I want you to, to, to understand that these are God's words to us. God is urgently looking at you and he's looking at me and he is saying like, I want you to search urgently for wisdom. Hey, I'm really excited to begin a brand new teaching series uh, here this morning called Becoming Wise. And uh, we're gonna be in this series all month long. Uh, so much of the heart behind this series, uh, maybe even some of the concern behind this series is just, uh, it seems to me like we are living in one of the most complex times in human history. I don't know if you'd agree. I don't think that's a stretch to say. Uh, when you think about the unlimited access that we have to things like goods and commodities, you know, technology and information, uh, it feels like so much is just swirling around us. It's a pretty complex time to figure out how to live through all of that. And so, you know, with the, the rapid increase in globalization and the information age that we are in, there is like the storm we find ourselves in the middle of, you know, between cultures and worldviews and ideologies. You find yourself uh, being pulled in, in, in different directions, right? There, there's uh, a very polarizing reality to, to the moment that we are living in. And then on top of that, you know, there are new technologies continually being introduced to us uh, almost daily, for sure, weekly. I don't know if any of you have been, you know, uh, um, paying attention to the headlines in the last couple of weeks, to new technologies kind of entering into uh, the space, uh, like ChatGPT or My AI. I mean, I mean, crazy, unbelievable technologies that we have uh, could have never imagined years ago through artificial intelligence. I mean, these things. Not only is it just a little bit impressive uh, what man has 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 created, but it is terrifying in, in some ways too. Uh, and so, um, you know, there's just so much going on, so much swirling around us. Uh, it feels like once we kind of get a handle on life, uh, things change, uh, things progress forward. And so I just think that maybe, maybe the question we need to be asking ourselves is this, is, is my wisdom keeping pace? Is my wisdom keeping up with everything that is going on around me? You see, wisdom allows us uh, to rise above emotion and bias. Wisdom allows us to, 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 to rise above, you know, the, the, the current situation that we're in and to look beyond it to a, to a bigger picture, to a bigger vision. And so, you know, the reality of the moment that we are in is that we all need wisdom. And I hope that the, the, the question that this series can help answer is how, how do we get it? How can we get wisdom? Now, how many of you have had a time in your life where uh, you just, quite honestly, have not known what to do? Uh, you ever had a time in your life where you just needed some clarity, you needed some direction? Maybe you were facing a situation and you just weren't quite sure what the, what the right call was for that given situation that you were in. Is there anybody in here? Okay, so last couple months, 
Uh, this has is, this is the, been the reality of my life. Uh, I have been living in a time of, 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 not, entirely, uh, of not being entirely sure what the, what the right call is or what the right uh, decision is, you know, try, trying to figure out what the best, best next step is, you know, for me and my family and, and for the church even, you know, uh, trying to hear from God, you know, what's the best next step. And so over the last couple of months, you know, I've, as I've been spending some time with the Lord, I, I've found a lot of comfort in the book of Proverbs. And, and Proverbs, uh, the book of Proverbs is full of wisdom for how to navigate through life. And, um, and so, you know, what I want to do today, you know, God has just been sharing some things with me. Uh, God's been teaching me some things in the book of Proverbs. And I just want to share them with you. You know, um, hopefully it can help you in your own journey with God. And so have you ever, have you ever had this experience? I had, had this happen to me this, this week. Have you ever had this experience where you were like reading the Bible, reading some scripture, and you had a word or a phrase just sort of leap off the page and smack you in the face, stop you dead in your tracks? You ever had something like that happen to you? And, you know, the longer I, I've been, you know, following Jesus, the more familiar I have gotten with the scriptures, that, that seems to happen less and less. Um, I, I, still, I still learn new things. I still have, you know, you know times where God, God reveals, you know, fresh insight to me in the word. But, but, like, not as often do I have those moments anymore where I just, like, I am, I am stopped dead in my tracks from something that I read in, in, in scripture. And I had that happen to me this past week as I was reading in uh, Proverbs 28, uh, verse, verse 5. It says this, it says, but those who seek the Lord understand everything. But those who seek the Lord understand everything. And it just kind of hit me, especially in a time where I'm just trying to figure out what the best next step is in, in, in multiple areas. It just hit me, you know, that, you know, that we are living, you know, in, in some crazy days on planet Earth. And if there's anything we need right now, it is understanding. Am I Right? There's anything we need is understanding the ability to discern the times that we are in and to know what to do. And so what's, what I love about this verse, and I think what, what began to just minister to me, is there is so much hope that we are intended to walk in clarity and understanding without confusion and fear and anxiety. We are intended to walk in clarity, to know uh, the thoughts of God on, on certain things. We can have understanding. I mean, I know that's good news. Like, we can have understanding. We can, can have the ability to discern in the moment, like, what we're walking through, what we're going through, and, and the ability through the power of the Spirit of God to know what to do. But to receive this understanding, what does it say? It says we have to seek the Lord. We must seek the Lord. Hebrews eleven six, very, very, very famous scripture. It says, and without faith, it's impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Right? That's, that's faith, right? Like that, that you, have to, you have to believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him or who diligently seek him, some other translations will say. And so we get this picture of, of, of seeking, you know, searching out, exploring, you know, this idea of expending effort and time and energy in order to discover what it is that you're looking for. And in this case, it's God, you know, according to, to these scriptures. And so I think that you and I have to understand the times that we're living in, and we, we need to be people who search for wisdom, just flat out. We need to be people who search for wisdom. And so that's what I want to talk to you about today. I guess if there's a title to the message, it's, it's searching for wisdom. And uh, the ironic thing about our culture right now is that we live in a culture that is defined by searching. Are, are we not? 
Like we live in a searching culture. Think about the number of Google searches that happen per day or per month. You know, did you know that there are 2.3 million Google searches per second? Think about, think about that. Listen to this. There are 11 billion Google searches from a desktop computer per month, right? That doesn't include mobile devices, which is probably where the majority of Google searches come from, right? I mean, like desktop computers, which are kind of becoming archaic in a way, uh, 11 billion Google searches from those. There are 1.17 billion unique Google searches per month, unique per month. It's mind-boggling. So I want you to catch this thought with me. This is kind of, kind of a big takeaway today. I, I believe that we are a generation that knows how to search for information, and yet at the same time, we are a generation that does not know how to search for wisdom. And it's the great irony of our day. And please hear me. Like, I'm not, I'm not speaking at you. I'm, I'm speaking at us. Like, again, these are things that God has been, been sharing with me, and I'm just sharing them with you uh, but, you know, we have more information than we have ever had before, and yet so many of us lack wisdom. How is it possible to have all of this information but not have wisdom? And that's what I want to explore with us uh, over the next several weeks. We're going to, you know, I, I don't have it all mapped out yet. I got, I got, some, got some, some framework, but, you know, we're probably going to have a week talking about how, how to become wise in conflict or how to become wise with our words. We're probably going to, you know, take a minute and talk about how the fear of the Lord is the beginning of, what is it? Wisdom, wisdom or knowledge. So we're going to do some of that this, this month. And so, but in order to really, really kind of, I think, pull out of this, this teaching and, and this series what we need, uh, we have to ask the question, what is wisdom? We have, to, we have to make sure we really comprehend what's going on. So I'm going to give you my best definition. And it's not, it's not going to be a, a definition that you would find, you know, like in, the, in, in like a dictionary or uh, out there somewhere in, in, in the world. I want to give you like a biblical definition of wisdom, a godly definition of wisdom. And it's this right here. Wisdom is the prayerful and patient approach to decision-making that seeks the knowledge of God in every, every situation by giving careful thought to the implications of our decisions. I want you just to kind of look at that, read through it slowly if you need to. The prayerful and patient approach to decision-making. It's seeking the knowledge of God in every situation. In other words, it's saying, God, what do you know that I don't know? Right? How many y'all believe that when you're facing like an important decision, that there may be some things that God knows about the situation that you do not know? And so there is this, this patient approach, this prayerful approach, saying, God, I want your knowledge. I want your insight. I want to know what it is that you know. God, God, do you have a preferred way that you want me to handle this, this situation? You know, this, is, this has honestly been like, like, like a way that I, I, I talk to God. Like, you know, when people come to me for prayer, uh, you know, if you've ever had me pray for you, you know that a lot of times I'll just be silent for a minute, you know, for, as, as, I, as I'm kind of, you know, getting ready to pray for you. And, and what I'm doing is I'm talking to God. And I'm saying, God, like, what do you know that I don't know? How do you want me to pray? Is there something you want me to say? What do you want me to see? You know, there, there's this slowing down. There's a patient approach, a prayerful approach to, to uh, you know, uh, our life. And that's what wisdom is. It's understanding that there are, there are things that I need that I don't have in and of myself. There is insight, there is knowledge that I do not just carry in and of myself in my own ability. I need God. And so we need wisdom. The question is, where do you need it? Where do you need wisdom? Where do you need God's wisdom for your life? You see, I think we all need it. 
We all need wisdom for how to best manage our money. That's like a given. We all need wisdom for how to parent our children in this rapidly changing world around sexuality. Do we not need wisdom for this? We all need wisdom as we consider retirement. I looked at my retirement account this week, and I want you to know that I'm not considering retirement uh, anytime soon. So we need uh, wisdom. You think about these ladies who are up here on stage as we consider, you know, what college to attend, whether we should take this job or that job. We need wisdom as it pertains to, to where we live. Should we stay in the neighborhood we are in or should we move someplace altogether? We need wisdom. We need the knowledge of God. God, what do you know about this that I don't know? Speak to me. The problem for us you know, when it comes to this word is that so often we have these like images burned in our minds of what wisdom is. We think of people with like uh, gray hair or, or, or advanced in age. Some of us even start to get pictures of, of certain characters maybe we've seen in, in movies or on TV. Maybe, maybe you'll, you, you start to think of, when you think of wisdom, you start to think of uh, this green character from uh, Star Wars, right? Lots of wisdom. I mean, who knew you could be... Like, so, if you just spoke backwards, you could be incredibly wise, right? Yoda, famous for saying, when you look at the dark side, careful you must be, for the dark side looks back. Like, great wisdom, right? Or we think of, of this character, Gandalf, from The Lord of the Rings. Wise, old, gray hair. Remember him saying to Frodo, there are other forces at work in this world besides the will of evil. This reminder that... That even though evil is all around us, there is still good. We think of wisdom here, right? Some of you who, who uh, you know, embraced the 80s, grew up in that era, will remember the wisdom from uh, Mr. Miyagi. Right? So much wisdom. Wax on, wax off, right? Remember when he said to Daniel, son, man who catch fly with chopstick accomplish anything. Right? Such wisdom. Such wisdom. I was, uh, I got to take a time out for a second because I was building this message this week and I just thought of my brother-in-law and I was like, he's going to love this message because I think these are all three characters. Uh, you probably have had movie posters of at some point. So um, <laughs> before he got married and found, found a girl and got married. So, um, hey, when we think about wisdom, we have these images burned in our mind and we think, we think about people who are old. We just do. It's, it's, it's just how it goes. And it's pretty common to recall images like this when we think of wisdom because most of us think that in order to be wise, you have to be old. In order to be wise, you have to have gray hair. But we're going to look at the scriptures this morning and find that you don't, you don't need all of those things to become wise. Like, like I want to I present a thought to you. Like, what if it was possible for teenagers and young adults to be wise, to have wisdom? What, what if it was possible for anyone, regardless of their education or their background or the neighborhood that they come from, to become wise? You see, the book of Proverbs tells us this, if you're taking notes, that no matter who you are, you can become wise. No matter who you are, you can become wise. The truth of the matter is that age is no guarantee for wisdom. Think about it. Have you ever, you ever known someone who was advanced in age, but they were not advanced in wisdom? You know, in my own life, I have had seasons of running in great wisdom. I'd call it supernatural wisdom. Wisdom beyond my years, you know. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm turning 40 this year, so, you know, I, 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 I still am relatively young compared to a lot of you. Um, but, um, 
did that. I just did that. So, but my point is, like, I, you know, I've had seasons of running in, in a lot of wisdom, running in, in good, in, 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 you know, I've had people stop me, you know, and, and say, like, man, that was really wise. Like, and, 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 then, and then I've also had seasons of running in great foolishness, you know, like, like, like you know, and, and so my point is, like, age, age isn't what determines uh, wisdom. Additionally, how many of y'all know that education and information are no guarantee for wisdom? Like, have you ever known someone who, who like, knew a lot of information or they had an advanced degree, but they were not advanced in wisdom? And I thought about this this week, too, you know, like, like, like how common it can be for people who, who, who are religious and who come to church, you know, somewhat frequently, maybe even weekly or you know, twice a month, beating the odds, and, and to still not have wisdom. Coming to church every week and being religious is no guarantee for wisdom. Peter Scazzaro wrote in his book, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, he said this, he says, I was a Christian for 22 years, but instead of being a 22-year-old Christian, I was a one-year-old Christian 22 times. I just kept doing the same things over and over and over again. So coming to church, like being around, you know, you know, you know godly things or, or Christian things doesn't necessarily mean that you will grow in wisdom. Look at, look, look at the thought on the screen. I want you to catch this. There are plenty of people who know Jesus but do not know wisdom. Plenty of people. Because wisdom is not guaranteed. It, you are not guaranteed to become wise the longer you live and the more life experience you have. Like you are not guaranteed to become wise. There's no guarantee that you or I will find wisdom. Proverbs 14, 12 says, there is a way that seems right to a man, but in the end it leads to death. Other translations say in the end it leads to destruction. I like this verse. It's always kind of stopped me for a moment because it's amazing how often we can become convinced that something is wise, that something is good, that something is right. We can convince ourselves, you know, like, you know, we are very easy to convince ourselves that we should do something when there are probably other people who would advise us not to. Seems right. Is that, is that good language? Like, it seems right. It seems good. It seems like God would want this, but it leads to destruction. And so here's the thought this morning. There is no guarantee that any of us will become wise, but there is an invitation to all of us to come and search for it. To come and search for it. Remember, Proverbs 28, right? That those who seek the Lord will understand everything. Those who seek the Lord will understand everything. And so Solomon writes in Proverbs 2 some really profound things that have stood out to me um, in, over the last couple of months that I just want to share with you. Um, it, it's really interesting what he writes, Proverbs 2, 1 through 5. I'm just going to step through this and then I'll, I'll expand on it. But he says, My son, if you accept my words and store up my commands within you, turning your ear to, what's the word? To wisdom and applying your heart to understanding. And if you call out for insight and cry aloud for understanding, and if you look for it as for silver and search for it as for hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. So the book of Proverbs is divided into two sections, if you didn't know. Um, there is an introduction, and then there are, there are the actual Proverbs. So Proverbs chapters 1 through 9 are, serve as the introduction. So yeah, basically explaining to us what Proverbs are. 
and then you get into Proverbs 10 and, and, and move to the end of the book, and these are all just like, like, like the actual Proverbs. And, and so I want to help you kind of understand how to read these uh, for a second here before I, I, I get into to, to expanding on those scriptures. But I want, I want you to understand how to read the Proverbs because uh, it's really, 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 really important. Look at this thought. Proverbs are not universal promises. Really important to understand. They're not universal promises, but principles that have been tested over time and summarized to help people navigate wisely through life. So this is a really important theological truth to understand about the book of Proverbs. That Proverbs are not universal promises. So, so here, here, here's what I mean by that. There are plenty of Proverbs that are not necessarily always true to our experience. Like you read them, you're like, that was really good, but it's like, that's sure not what I've experienced. And, and or you're, you, you know, you, you try to kind of live according to a proverb and it doesn't necessarily go the way the proverb said it, it would go. Like here's an example of Proverbs 16, seven says, when a man's ways are pleasing to the Lord, he will make even his enemies live at peace with him. Now that's a good proverb. That's a, that's a great proverb. It's wonderful, right? It's a generally true principle. But no person pleased the Lord more than Jesus. And yet he was, he was crucified, was he not? And so Proverbs are not promises. Like, if you do this, then this will happen. You know, it, they, are, they are principles that have been tested over time, summarized to help people navigate wisely through life. Really important. So we don't just take, we don't just take certain Proverbs and just claim them as promises. We understand that these are principles to help navigate our life wisely. So at the beginning of Proverbs, when you start reading in chapter 1, chapter 2, chapter 3, here in the introduction, we find language of urgency. There's language of urgency, which is what I want to emphasize to you today. The urgency that we all need, the urgency that God has for us to search for wisdom. And in the beginning of Proverbs, there is this father's urgent counsel to his son. And when we think about the words that we just read here in Proverbs 2, I want you to, to, to understand that these are God's words to us. God is urgently looking at you, and he's looking at me, and he is saying, like, I want you to search urgently for wisdom. Proverbs 1, verse 20 says, Wisdom calls, out, calls aloud in the street. She raises her voice in the public squares. So Proverbs 1, kind of, when you compare it to Proverbs 2, the verses we read, it, it sort of presents the paradox of Proverbs, that wisdom is crying out in the street, and yet at the same time, we are called to search for it, that wisdom is crying out, meaning it's available, that you can have it, but you're, gonna, but you're only going to find it if you search for it. It will not be automatic. Like, it, it's there. You can see it. it it's, it's available to you, but it is also, at the same time, something that you have to search for. So I want you to see how Proverbs 2 escalates. Uh, as, 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 as you read through this one more time, you can throw it on the screen. Solomon says, My son, if you accept my words, store up my commands, call out for insight, and cry aloud for understanding, and if you look for it and search for it, then you will understand and find the knowledge of God. You see the progression? See how it escalates? In this progression, I notice in these five verses, it reveals that, that God really wants us to live wisely, but it's not just going to come automatically. So we're going to have to be people who search for it. And the reason we search for it 
is because of this, if you're taking notes, wisdom is not automatic. It's not, it's not our default setting. We're not just like born this way. Like, like how many of y'all know that we, we don't just get wise by simply drifting? Any of you who are parents know that you don't automatically become wise parents. Am I right? It's not just something that happens. Like, I wake up and now I'm wise. We don't automatically become wise managers of our money, do we? We don't automatically become wise in our relationships. Why? Because wisdom is not automatic. You know what is automatic? Foolishness. Foolishness is automatic. Wisdom is hard-earned. Foolishness is automatic. Foolishness is our default setting because we live in a world that's marked by sin. And sin is not just the bad things that we do. I want, I want to make that clear. It's not just like, like all, all, all the ways we fall short. Sin is a power that keeps us looking inward in a very, very, very destructive way. Inward. Looking at ourselves, consumed with what we need. St. Augustine, very famous father of the church, he, he, he famously said this, to be marked by sin is to be curved in on oneself. Curved inward means that we're no, lo- no, no longer looking at God. We're no longer looking at the community around us for wisdom, the people who he's put into our life for wisdom. We're simply looking at ourselves for everything that we need. We're looking, looking to ourselves for all the answers. And when we do this, you know what happens? Foolishness becomes the default setting, not wisdom. Not, <laughs> foolishness becomes the default setting. And, and, yet, and yet you and I, we are, we, are, we are called to search for this. To search for wisdom. And so the question is, where do you need it? Where do you need this in your life? And the second question is, are you urgently searching for wisdom? Are you searching urgently for wisdom? Think of some of the most common images of when you have searched urgently for something or someone. You think about maybe a time where you, you know, maybe lost your kid. I don't know if there's anybody in here, frightening, right? Like maybe at the supermarket or like a water park or something crazy. You know, it's like, where's my kid? You can't find him. They wandered off. Remember the emotions of searching urgently for them. Think about maybe when you lost a key or you lost some money. I lost a $50 bill this week. That's kind of a big deal, right? It's not like five bucks. It's not like, I, you know, it's $50. And um, I came home and I was like, I was like, babe, I, I lost a $50 bill. She's like, you did what? You know, it, it, it was not a, like an easy conversation. I'm like, I'm sorry. Like, and, and uh, thankfully uh, it has been returned to me. But, uh, uh, you know, you, you, look, you look pretty urgently. Like, I, I was done searching. And how many of y'all know she sent me back out to the car to look for it again? Like, you know, go back to the office, see if you can find it. In our family, um, man, we have had so many times of like searching for a lost remote. Anybody? We actually have a rule in our house now where there are like like the remotes that go with the specific TV are not allowed to leave that room. Like, do not do not carry this to another part of the house. Like recently, we couldn't find the remote. Like we are we are looking high and low, and we're pulling cushions out. We're like lifting up furniture. And, like, we're getting mad, like, just letting you in on our family. Like, we're angry. We're like, what is going on? Like, who moved the remote, you know? Like, like we are not this perfect pastor's family, right? We are like, we're not like, oh, like, like, did anybody move the remote? No, we're like, who moved the remote? Who broke the rule, right? Like, that's how it's going. And so the twins, of course, you know, they're six, and they're like, we didn't touch it. Did you know that we found the remote to the TV in the basement all the way up on the second floor in their bedroom, but they didn't touch it, right? So... Finally found it. We searched high and low. 
another, another issue we have in our house is like looking for the dog leash. Like we don't have a fenced in yard. And so, you know, we got to let him out in the morning. I let Bruno out in the morning. And, uh, and so all the time, I mean, like, like multiple times a week, we're like, where is the stupid leash? Like who moved it? Like it goes right here, you know, and can't find it. Can't find it. We all have times of, of, of searching urgently to find the things that we have lost. And so the question is, where do you need wisdom? And, and, and I want you to have this picture of searching urgently for something. Have you ever had a time in your life where you just were searching urgently for wisdom, for the knowledge of God, for what you were going through? The first chap, uh, nine chapters of the book of Proverbs is God's plea to his people, okay? It's God's plea to his people saying, he's saying, get help. Don't make decisions on your own. Search for another perspective. Trust in God. He's urgently pleading with us to do this. And the reason for this is because the book of Proverbs is not simply about getting wisdom so that we can live a better, more comfortable, more cozy life. We think about it because we, we read these like cute Proverbs and we, we kind of compare them to maybe like fortune cookies and, and, or fortune, and we think like, oh, it's like so nice. Like if you do this, this will happen. But no, 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 no. Like don't, don't view Proverbs this way. It's not just about getting a better, more comfortable, more cozy life. L- look at this. The reason... We need to grow in wisdom is because it's a matter of life and death. It's a matter of life and death. And so are you searching urgently for wisdom? Wisdom's not about making my life a little bit more comfortable. Like if I had a little bit more wisdom, then things would be a little bit better. Listen to me. Wisdom and foolishness are on the opposite ends. They are diametrically opposed. And wisdom leads to life and foolishness leads to death. It's a matter of life and death. And sadly, many of us make decisions constantly, like over and over and over again, that cause us to suffer needlessly. And God has wisdom for us on how to navigate through this life. I was thinking of some examples of this, you know, over the years, being a pastor and, and, and dealing with different people, and, and uh, I had to be careful not to use any examples in the, that I thought would be here today. Um, but, you know, I thought about the person who got into a relationship that everyone knew was bad. Like, just, yeah, this isn't good, not going to go well. Like they, how many of you know that that person like wasn't searching for wisdom? They were searching for what they wanted and how they wanted it. I was thinking about the person who made a quick financial decision. Thinking about more than one examples. Thinking about myself. I was thinking about our, our ourself making quick financial decisions, and uh, years later, still trying to figure it out without getting any kind of outside counsel. And how many of you know like like people like that? They're not searching for wisdom. They're searching for what they want. I was thinking about the person who had some challenges in their life, like, and there's many, and they just were, con- they were convinced that the grass would be greener on the other side, so they, they got divorced, or they switched churches, which is, which is kind of like a divorce. Uh, if you don't believe me, uh, let's get the coffee. Um, or they changed jobs, and guess what it happened? Like, the grass wasn't greener. Uh, they weren't searching for wisdom. They were searching for something that would make them feel a certain way. And what I have noticed in my life, and here's, here's where I want to give you uh, some, some help maybe that I, I'm just learning right now, is that there are oftentimes great obstacles to searching for wisdom. There are great obstacles that we face that make it difficult to pursue real, true, godly wisdom in our life. And, and the first one I would tell you that I've noticed is uh, oftentimes I have a two-fold life. Oftentimes I have a two-fold life. I think that makes sense to say it that way. A two-fold life. 
Oftentimes, the very thing that has hindered me from growing in wisdom the most has been a life that is too full. It's too scheduled. There's too much going on. There's no margin. And the sad reality of our lives is that oftentimes we don't even know that there's a need for wisdom because we're running our lives on autopilot. We're running uh, in every which uh, way, always reacting to what's happening in our day. Rarely, if ever, do we stop to assess, where do I need wisdom? Like, right? It's not like a common thing. We don't, you know, a lot of us would say that, you know, we wish our life was different. We wish, it, wish these things weren't there, but rarely do we slow down long enough to assess, like, where, where do I need wisdom in my life right now? Not just like the wisdom of the age, but the wisdom of God. And here, here's the, a thought, like, you will never search for wisdom until you first assess what it is that you need wisdom for. I know that's super profound, but until I stop and assess what it is I need wisdom for in my life, what's not working and what needs to change, I'll never be at a place where I'm willing to search for it. Like, I want, there's, just, there's just no point. Like, 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 I have to stop and assess first before I will, ever, I will ever search for it. The challenge of our day is that we have not slowed down our lives enough to even assess where it is that we need wisdom. So when was the last time, think about it, when you slowed down long enough to assess what matters, to reassess your values, to reassess your priorities? When was the last time you slowed down long enough to reassess what it is that God wants you to pay attention to most? Think about that. Try, like, try it. Like, you'll probably have a ton of anxiety in doing it, but like, slow down for a minute and try to reassess. Okay, God, what is it that you want me to pay attention to most right now at this season, at this moment in my life? Because let me just tell you, personal experience, there's all kinds of things that get our attention. There's all kinds of decisions that have to be made. There's all kinds of stuff. There's all kinds of things vying for, for like the, the big slice to the pie. But you and I, like, like as followers of Jesus, like we are called, we need to slow our lives down long enough to reassess, to ask God, what, it is, what is it in my life right now, God, that you want me to pay attention to most? What could it be? What could it be? The great obstacle to this that many of us face is that we simply have a too full life. So here's, a, here's another thought. Searching for wisdom will require you to say no to certain things so that you can say yes to what God wants you to pay attention to most. Really good thought. Uh, the second obstacle that I've noticed in my own life, okay? Preaching to myself. Second obstacle to searching for wisdom is pride. It's pride. Perhaps the number one obstacle I've dealt with in my life when it comes to searching for wisdom is pride. You see, because there's a part of me that would like to believe that I'm strong enough. There is a part of me that would like to believe that I have the answers, that the experiences that I have lived through have pre prepared me for the moment and that I am, I, I am self-sufficient. Like, I can do this. I can figure this out. There's a part of me that would like to believe that I'm adequate within my own self, like, I, like, honestly, like, I'm just, I'm just letting you in. Like, I want to be the person who generates ideas. I want to be the person who has the answer. I want to know, know what we're supposed to do. And I want to be the person who is sufficient in myself. And at times, you know, honestly, this ugly part of me that I want to project to the world that I am self-sufficient, it keeps me from searching for wisdom. Keeps me from searching for wisdom. Example of this is, you know, I've been a pastor for a while. You know, going on 20 years, and uh, 
There have been, there have been times in, in, in my career where I have not known what to do as a leader, as a pastor, as a dad, as a husband. Times where I probably should have picked up the phone and called my dad, and I didn't. Times where I probably should have picked up the phone and called another pastor friend or someone who's been doing it longer than me, and I didn't, all because I'm trying to prove to myself and to others that I can do it. Like, I think there are times, I can think of some moments where it probably would have made all the difference if I would have just asked for a different perspective on the matter. And I just want, I mean, there's been so many different challenges in, in my leadership, you know, um, over, over the years. And so many mistakes, I'm sure, like, that I've made unnecessarily simply because I was too proud to ask for help. And so I have this thought for you. I think oftentimes what keeps us from searching for wisdom is this prideful belief that we don't need help and can figure things out ourselves. It's an obstacle. It keeps us from searching for wisdom. And then the third obstacle that I've noticed in my own life is um, as a barrier to searching for wisdom is shame. It's shame. So it's a two-fold life. It's pride. And then number three, it's shame. Because here's why. To ask for wisdom, to search for wisdom, reminds us over and over and over again that we don't have our act together. And it can produce shame. It reminds us that there are some deficiencies in our life, some gaps that we need help with and support with. And so here's, here's a thought. I think that to begin to acknowledge our weaknesses, our blind spots, and our inadequacies can bring up a lot of shame that keeps us from pursuing wisdom. We just don't feel good about ourselves. Like when we have to ask for help, we have to go out and ask somebody for their perspective and, and admit that we're inadequate in and, in, in and of ourselves. We're not self-sufficient like we want to be or thought we were. It can produce some shame, some guilt. And I think it's the number one reason why, why most people don't go ask for help. I mean, it's pride and shame, but you know, shame is a big part of it. I think it's a huge reason why people don't go to counseling. The feelings of shame. I want you just to know that that stigma is gone, okay? They might have been true 20, 30 years ago. It's not true anymore. I, I go to counseling. I've been to counseling for a long time. Uh, it, it helps. It's needed. I mean, can, think about what, what just an iPhone has done to our mental health, you know, like, like let alone everything else going on in the world. Like, there's, there should not be shame around this. I've been to counseling, like I said, more, more than once. I still go, and, and uh, you know, every time I've gone back to counseling, you know what I've realized pretty quickly is that I should have gone a lot sooner. Should have gone a lot sooner. Produces shame. Pride and shame often keep us from, from going, from looking for that other perspective. You know, about six years ago or so, maybe seven, uh, I don't know, I'm not sure exactly when, but I, I went to a friend, and I, I shared with this friend of mine some financial challenges that we were facing at the time. And um, man, I felt so much shame in talking about it. For a long time, I just, I just talked myself out of searching for wisdom in this area because of, of the shame I felt or the judgment that I, that I was sure you know, uh, would, would come from sharing our situation with, with them. And so you know, what I had found was that being honest with where we were, just honest with where we were, it opened, up, it opened me up to a wisdom outside of myself. And I wonder for you, like, what shame are you holding today? And how is God trying to get your attention so that this shame does not keep you from gaining wisdom? 
And I'm, 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 about, I'm about done, but I, I think maybe the best part is right here. I think that if we want to talk about wisdom, we have to talk about the gospel. To talk about the message of Christianity, we have to talk about Jesus, what he did on the cross 2,000 years ago. Because you see, the gospel addresses all of these issues that I just mentioned, these obstacles to searching for wisdom. It addresses all of them to the core. The gospel is very simply this message that Jesus Christ is Lord. And if that is true, then that means that I am not. Pretty profound, right? Look at this. If Jesus is all sufficient, that means I am not sufficient except in him. Right? Look at this. When I can acknowledge that Jesus is Lord and no one else, then my weaknesses don't have to produce shame anymore, but can now produce hope. Like, in my weakness, he is made strong, right? Like, I don't have to, I don't have to sit there in, in, in weakness and in the things I just don't know how to do very well or the, the struggles in my life and think, like, like, man, I should be better than this or how come I'm dealing with this and they're not? Like, no, 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 it's not meant to produce shame. Like, because of Jesus and what he did on the cross, this should produce hope in us that he can heal, he can, he can make us whole, he can restore us into the people we're meant to be. You see, when I acknowledge that he is the Lord and I acknowledge my weaknesses, I can now throw myself on the mercy of his lordship and I can say, Lord, I, just, I need help. Lord, I need, Jesus, I need help right now. I need help. I, I can't do this on my own. I don't know what to do. And the God, like, like, so in my opinion, like, the gospel addresses all of these obstacles to wisdom. For instance, look at this one. The gospel heals our sense of shame and inadequacy. Does it not? Is this not part of what it's intended to do? It heals our shame and our sense of inadequacy. Look at this. The gospel transforms the deep pride that lives within us. It's meant to do this. We are, we are a new creation in Christ Jesus, right? The old has gone. The new has come. The gospel, the good news of Jesus, the blood of Jesus shed on that cross. To, to, to deal with our sin, it allows for there to be a transformation in our life so that who we were isn't how, who we have to continue to be. And look at this, the gospel reorients the priorities of our heart. It does this, the gospel does this. It's meant to do this. It's, it's meant to, to confront us in our need for God, in our need for a savior, in our need for someone to step in on our behalf as the substitute. And at the same time, it begins to reorient the priorities. It begins to put into proper perspective for us what really matters most. And so a, a twofold life that keeps me from pursuing wisdom, man, let the gospel encounter you today in a fresh new way. Let the gospel confront you today in, 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 in a fresh new, new way and watch as it begins to reorient the priorities of your life. Like, like, like where does this need to be? Like, wh where is the proper place for certain things to be and to exist in our life? And then I just, just wanna give you this, this thought here. No longer do we need to live a false self. That's what the gospel does. No longer do we need to live a false self projecting to the world that we are stronger than we truly are, that we know more than we truly do, and that we are adequate when the truth is we are not. The gospel frees us to search for wisdom. Because we don't have to be, we don't have to be like self-sufficient. I don't have to have all the answers within myself. I don't, I don't have to be responsible to know everything. 
for, for the given situation I'm in, it frees me to know that there's, there's a knowledge outside of myself. There's a wisdom outside of myself. There's, there's insight that I can gain. I don't have to have it all together because the wise search out wisdom. The foolish try to figure it out on their own. And so I would just say that in light of this good news of the gospel, right, that you are loved, that mercy is poured out on you, that even though you have, a, have great weaknesses, God loves you with an everlasting love. In light of all of this, what is, it, what is it to produce in us? What is it supposed to produce in us? I think minimally it is to produce this impulse in us to search for wisdom, to search for it. I called my brother a couple months ago um, and we, we were, I was sitting in the driveway in the car and he was, he was just talking with me. Uh, he's really great, really wise, incredible pastor. And uh, I was just sharing some different things going on in, in our life and our family, uh, just some challenges within the church. And, and he just begins to give me great wisdom. And he, uh, he says, hey man, I wanna pray for you. And he just starts to pray. And as he's praying, he, he, pray, he asks that the person of wisdom would show up. That the person of wisdom, G, the Jesus, right? Because wisdom isn't just knowledge and information. Wisdom is a person. It's Jesus. And I just, I just began to like, I mean, tears began to just roll down my face because it's, it's him. He is who I need. He is who I need to seek. He is who I need to chase. If I'm searching for wisdom, I'm searching for Jesus. I'm searching for what he knows that I don't know. And so the question is, where do you need wisdom? Like, what is causing anxiety in you right now? Where are you frustrated? Where are you at your wit's end? Like, like where do you need wisdom? And, and, then, and so here's, here's a thought, and I'm, I'm, I'm out. As the father spoke to his son in the book of Proverbs to search for wisdom, God is speaking the same thing to you right now. He's speaking the same thing to you, to me. Search for it. It's not gonna be automatic. Search for it. And some, some of you right now in this, in this room, you are wondering how to parent right now in this generation. Listen to me, search for it. Some of you are trying to figure out how to steward your money in a world of great consumerism. Listen to me, search for it, search for it. Some of you are wondering how to get your marriage back on track. You gotta hear me today, search for it. You gotta search for it. Some of you are wondering how to make the kinds of, of decisions in your life that truly honor God. It's not gonna be automatic, you gotta search for this. You gotta search for it and so my hope my hope is that we would be so filled with an urgency to live wisely, an urgency to live wisely because the days are evil, that it would cause us to search for it, to not assume that we know, to not assume that we have all that it takes, to, to really believe that there is a knowledge outside of ourselves, that God has insight, that God has information, and we are so desperate for that that we go on a search for it, amen? Would you stand with me here uh, this morning? Would you just bow your heads for a quick moment as we close? Very simply, every head bowed, you and Jesus, if you need wisdom, if you need the person of wisdom to step into your life, if you need answers to things you don't know how to figure out right now, could I just see your hand? If you are desperate for the knowledge of God, the knowledge of God, you know what's awesome about this moment? Your eyes are closed, but mine aren't, and there are tons of hands. Most everybody 
So God, I ask right now by your grace, by your goodness, that you would pour out into this room right now wisdom. You tell us in James that if any of us lacks wisdom, let us ask of God who gives generously to all without finding fault. And so we come before you today, God, and we ask for it. We seek it. We need it. So Lord, where we have, where we have operated and, 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 and done life in our own strength and our own abilities, Father, where we have just tried our best to be self-contained and self-sufficient, we repent of that in this room right now. And Father, we acknowledge that there are just things we don't know. There are decisions that we aren't sure how to make. And so I pray for a special grace to rest upon every person in this room. Under the sound of my voice, God, right now, every person who raised their hand, every person who's acknowledging in this place, like, I can't do this. I can't figure this out all by myself. And so, Father, would you come now? Would you begin to speak? Would you begin to reveal the, the, the answers to the mystery, God? Would you begin to just uh, give download, insight right now, oh God? I pray for people right now in this room who are, are trying to decide specifically, should I go right or should I go left? That supernaturally right now, God, you'd even give them a vision. You would, you, you would just deposit a thought into their spirit right now, oh God, that they would walk out of here with more clarity as they leave than they had when they came in. I thank you, Lord, that, that you desire to make crooked paths straight. You desire to walk beside us, that you're the good shepherd who leads us. And so, so, Lord, I pray that confidence would rise in the room, that your will and your desire and the plans that you have are not some, some, some difficult mystery to find and to figure out, but that you're a good Father who wants to reveal these things to us. And so we come to you today just ready to surrender, just ready to say, God, we don't have what it takes. We don't have what it takes. We can't do this by ourselves. And so, Father, would you come and would you pour out your spirit in this room? Would you give us wisdom today in Jesus' name? Amen.